Welcome everyone to this episode of Palmetto Guardian. Today we'll be talking about workplace frustrations as well as Anti-Terrorism Awareness Month. Welcome everyone, I'm Specialist Chelsea Baker. And I'm Specialist David Erskine. And we're gonna jump right into it. This is real world. This is the real world. This is happening right now on this show today, and that's bad attitudes. Um, her bad attitude. Um, no, not bad attitude. She's just frustrated. It works stuff, you know? And I, I think that's reasonable for everybody. We run into bumps and whatever at work, and, you know, we try to keep everything separate. Work life, home life, whatever. It spills over. It's just the way it is. But... Uh, She's feeling a little frustrated uh, with me today, of all people, because I'm so lovable. Um, but um, it happens. It happens. I think it happens to all of us, right? Yeah. And everybody has their good days and their bad days. Right. And and we got a. How do you deal with it? You know, because everybody's got their own way. I mean, I guess it depends. Because sometimes it depends on the situation. Sometimes it depends on what you're frustrated about mm -hmm. or what is causing you to have a bad day so I mean I don't know some days I would want to vent and then other days I just want to be left alone just depends on what's going on so we get we get to work through this on the show right now because <laughs> I am the one she's frustrated at now now tell everybody at home why why you're frustrated at me right now uh, because we have nothing to talk about <laughs> <laughs> That's not the only reason. What's the other reason? It's not that we, we, we were scratching for topics uh, for, for this, but what else is it? What, are, what else are we, we doing today as far as the podcast goes? We're not just doing one podcast today. Yeah, we're having to shoot multiple podcasts before I possibly leave for a couple weeks. Right. So there's some added stress there, right? Yeah. Because you don't know yet. Still don't, Still don't know. But that's part of our job and our situation. And, I mean, and we all do it. And, and M-Day, I mean, I don't want to say it's easier on full-time folks, but we got a little bit of latitude where an M-Day soldier, uh, traditional uh, soldier airman, um, this can be tough on them, the not knowing part. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's not by anybody's ill intent. You know, it's not like the unit that you're going with is doing this because they're sitting in a room laughing, going, ha, ah, she doesn't know yet. <laughs> you don't uh, press the button. No, press the button. <laughs> We're going to wait five hours out and call her, like, yeah, you need to go on the airplane. But, um, so yeah, all this builds up, and, and you know, obviously I'm, I'm not helping it. <laughs> not that I ever necessarily do, but, um, you know, work stress, especially for, for guard members, is a very real thing. And, um, you know, we're, I'm joking about it, but she's not, but, uh, <laughs> I'm taking advantage of it. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's things we have to do and we have to remember that it's not something to let build. Yeah. You got to deal with it. You know, um, sometimes it's employee to employee in a respectful manner, you know, and we just happen to have a forum where we can do it publicly. Publicly. <laughs> for your for your entertainment and and education so um obviously 
to help fix this situation or de-escalate it as it were on my part um, we're going to sit down and I'm going to assure her that we can get this done today and we are going to find the topics and stuff that we we want to talk about relevant to the subjects and we're going to knock it out like we always do she gets like this isn't the first time she's been frustrated with me um, um, mine and her work patterns are, are very different Definitely very different. Right. Yeah. Um, she's frustrated because I guess at this point in time right now I have more say, so we've kind of followed my direction, but no, that's not always true. I do I do listen to your opinions and inputs on, on the workflow, and you have organized the office more so than what I uh, generally have it, yeah? Yeah. Because I, I, how do I tend to work? In a mess. <laughs> on the fly. Right. Last minute. Which, I mean, something we can't avoid because of our job because literally I try to be flexible I'm definitely a planner I plan things and I've always been like that and so in this career field it's a little hard whenever it's like okay you have this mission to do today and you get all prepared you know what you're going to do and then at the last minute it either changes or it gets canceled and nine times out of ten that always happens with us because we're either the last to know the last to get called and it is frustrating i've learned to kind of be flexible but when it's something that's been planned for months and it's built up to it and then you know that something's probably going to happen and then it does and you try to prepare yourself for that but then it's like still waiting and waiting to find out an answer it's just so frustrating because it's like it's not like it's a day or a couple days this is like a couple weeks that you have to plan for and to do that at last minute, it's it's so frustrating to me because I'm a planner. I plan everything. I have to make sure I have all my ducks in a row and everything's worked out. And so it's just it's frustrating coming in every day to work. And it's like, okay, am I going to get an answer today? Am I going to get an answer today? And then I don't hear anything. And then I've done everything I possibly can up to that point. And it just it still doesn't fall in my favor. So, yes, I'm very frustrated. <laughs> trying not to be but it's hard because it's like i don't know it's hard to explain but i guess it's just a bad day for me yeah we uh we have a lot of conversations around the office it starts out with her going what do we have this day this day and this day and i'm like i don't know <laughs> and she, that's the extent of the answer there's nothing that follows. and then she waits <laughs> in awkward silence right and i'm like no i don't know really and uh She's like, why not? And I'm like, ah, we'll figure it out when we get there. Um, and we always get it done. For the most part. <laughs> <laughs> um, not to say there's not stress related on that, uh, those type of situations, but we get it done. Um, but, yeah, you know, so, um, you know, we're, we're obviously working through this in, in front of y'all or whatnot and discussing it. But you can already tell her mood's getting better if you can see her on camera <laughs> and her voice tone if you're listening. But, um yeah, I mean, that's part of it, and it's, sometimes it's as simple as what we're doing right now. If you have a, a co-worker or something like that that's frustrating you, maybe with their, their style of workflow, because once again, we're, we're proving that, you know, people on opposite end of the spectrums can accomplish the mission, and I think that's a lot about what the, the military is in, in a whole, and maybe the Army or the, the Guard um, more so, because you got not only are you dealing with different personalities, cultures, and, and uh, work styles, but you're also dealing with full-time personnel, and you're dealing with traditional M-Day soldiers, and then plus you have civilian contractors and state employees, and so we get meshed into this massive, huge ball mm -hmm. of ooey-gooeyness, 
ooey gooey. Um, <laughs> it's a fun word, right? Ooey gooey. Um, but all this ooey gooeyness, and um, when you put us on task, somehow we work it all out. Yeah. We figure out the way, just like we're doing today. We were in there spitballing, and I'm like, what you got? And she's like, I got nothing. And she's like, what do you got? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> we and, were <laughs> and I said, let's just go sit down, and let's let's see where this takes us, what road this runs us down. And here we are. We're, we're working our, our work issues out in front of y'all um, and, and getting it done in a positive way um, with a little bit of, a little bit of joking, but, you know, we're, we're getting through it. We're getting content out of it, and by the time we're done with this, she'll be right as rain. I hope so. We'll see. And then I'll interrupt her intro at least five yeah, or six. And then I'll get frustrated again. <laughs> yeah, because if y'all don't know in the intros, I'm Batman. Definitely, we need to work on some outtake videos for you guys. Maybe some behind-the-scenes stuff so that you can kind of kind of get a feel of. I think we should do it. I think we should do it as a subscriber reward on YouTube. Yeah, we could do that. I say if we hit 500 subscribers on YouTube, because we're what 300 and some change. 192, I think this morning. Yeah, so 108 more subscribers. I think we release a a bloopers at 500. We, you guys, we got some good good bloopers, so you guys got to subscribe. Like, you. <laughs> we have some good stuff, so yeah, yeah. if you want to see the bloopers, hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel for those listening and don't watch. I mean, check it out. Yeah. See our cool set that we built and everything. Yeah, I put a lot of work into it. Uh, see, here we go again with the frustration because <laughs> you are the only one that built this set. <laughs> <laughs> no, we built it. Um, but... Um, yeah, I mean, definitely 500 subscribers will release, you know, a blooper, blooper, blooper. Today. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's rough over here. It's rough over here. Um, I need a water bottle or something. I know, we got to get some, like, cool cups or something. Yeah. If you have some ideas, yeah. people who design stuff, yeah. let us know because, or like a low, I don't know, yeah. some kind of cool. Maybe product. something with the show name on it. Yeah, and like a cool little graphic that yeah. goes with the national Yeah, product. that would be awesome. Yeah, Um. And then for the people who do watch this, share it with your friends, yeah. especially other soldier and airmen, because um, as y'all can kind of see with what we're doing, we're, we're trying to hit topics that are relevant to y'all. Um, and so we even got some feedback recently that somebody would like a show done on um, promotions and how that process actually works and everything. So we're looking into it. We're trying to find the right subject matter expert to come in here and talk with us and kind of walk us through, um, you know, I guess the things you need to know about promotions and boards and what all that, you know, involves and whatever else. So, you know, hopefully that'll be a show here um, before too much longer. And we talk about how the podcast is for everybody, but I feel like sitting back after we've been doing this for a couple episodes now that hopefully it's helping reach out to those end day soldiers because i feel like they're the ones that don't get the information or they're the last to know because they don't have access to all the information that we get on a day-to-day basis because i mean we were both traditional end day soldiers we weren't always full-time and nine times out of ten there's all this good information that's getting put out but it's on all these web pages or websites that we don't have access to on a day-to-day basis so even though this platform is 
for everybody in the South Carolina, whether you're GARB, um, your veteran or civilian spouse, whatever the case may be, hopefully this is reaching out to our NBA soldiers so that they can get the information they need and then they can pass along to all their soldiers under them and get the word spread out for whatever thing, whatever they are looking to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what we're doing. And, you know, we, we had the tag town hall meeting on here mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we had Mr. Hammond and fitness, and it's all the topics that matter to, to military folks, and it's good information for them, day folks. Of, you know, like Mr. Hammond said, they have the ACFT thing that they set up. Now I know it's during the week, and it's in the morning or whatnot, and so it's a little inconvenient for a lot of M-Day folks. But, I mean, if 30 people can get up here that didn't know about it and can come, you know, maybe they do have the time that they can come time off or maybe they work an odd shift or whatever. So if it helps those people, then, you know, great for us, you know, great for us. We, you know, we help. It starts with just, you know, a handful of people and to pass the word. And we've seen this, you know, 10, 11 episodes in, and this thing's already starting to grow, which is the whole purpose of it. It's this information for y'all. Yes. For y'all. Very uh, informal and relaxed environment, yeah. so that it's not ser- in a serious. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's serious information sometimes, and I mean the, the tone the tone fits the content, but it's not so rigid, I guess, and it gives opportunity for conversation and, and detours off the topic. It's not like a traditional, you know, news interview where it's three or four questions on a certain topic and then it's it's done. You know, it gives an opportunity to kind of wander around with folks and you get to see people's personalities a little bit more mm-hmm. here because, you know, a lot of times they're talking about stuff that they're super excited about. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times when we go out and we do news type pieces or whatever you know we're asking about something we want to know about Mm -hmm. you know it's like how's the training here today you know what did you learn how's this benefit you know south carolina citizens and stuff like that and not to say people aren't passionate about that stuff but it's very directed questions but when you bring somebody like i keep going back to mr hammond um but you bring mr hammond who's obviously super into fitness and health and stuff like that he's excited to talk about it um or even uh you know uh, some of our uh, other civilian counterparts with the museum when we had the d-day show you know john and them at the museum was obviously super excited about having that event so they were obviously more animated and engaged in whatever else and that's normal that's normal you know that's how people people are about things that they like um and they don't get irritated about it yeah (laughs) well speaking on seriousness even though this podcast isn't geared towards being serious but this month is anti-terrorism month and we are going to have a guest speaker talk to us a little bit about that and things to look out for for yourself and your family and that kind of thing yeah and that once again good information for everybody uh, across the board, not just people in uniform, but this is information for civilians and stuff, and it, it helps you make aware or, or aware of you know what's out there and maybe some of the processes. And um, I'm sure he'll have you know contact information and stuff like that that he, he'll he'll go over with us with. So yeah, it should be good. So today we have Lieutenant Colonel Paul Lehman, the state anti-terrorism officer with the South Carolina National Guard, and he's here to talk to us about anti-terrorism. So welcome, sir. It's good to be here. Yes. So could you tell us a little bit about what you do um, as the state anti-terrorism officer? Well, it's, uh, first of all, you have to understand terrorism. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terrorism is going to be that 
unlawful, violent act that somebody's going to do to try to get their political point across. Mm -hmm. And so our job is to not let them. And so in the anti-terrorism world, we're going to do all of the things proactive to ensure that the mission uh, is, is executed. So we're going we're to do a lot of, lot of things. There's a, a great deal of risk assessment that goes along with anti-terrorism. Uh, we're going to study the assets that, the, that are required to get the mission accomplished. We're going to study the threats that are out there. And we're also going to study the vulnerabilities. So all three of those are, are, are pulled together under a risk assessment. Um, when we look at our assets, what we want to remember is it's anything that you care about. And when we say that, you talk about anything you care about to get the mission done. Everybody's got a different mission. Mm-hmm. Army's got a different mission. Air Force has got a different mission. We want to make sure that that mission is, is uh, accomplished. So when we look at assets, we say it's everything you care about. It's people. It's equipment. It's your facilities. It's information. It's your reputation. Believe it or not, your reputation is a big part of what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, A terrorist can actually attack the reputation. And so, just to reiterate, your asset is anything we need to get the mission done. When we look at the threats, that's anybody that wants to harm our mission. And threats can be all, they can come from all different faucets. You can have uh, state-sponsored terrorist activities like ISIS, Al-Qaeda, you can have your domestic terrorist groups. Uh, you, could, you could say animal activists, animal rights activists. Uh, a lot of protesters at our gates, based on uh, some of some of those activities. And then there could be this lone wolf uh, individual that's out there. And uh, all of those groups are, are have done terrorist activities in the past. Our job in the anti-terrorism world is to figure out who they are, rack and stack them. And find out which ones, uh, what tactics, uh, which which tactics, techniques, and procedures they use to try to thwart the mission. In the anti-terrorism world, the big thing we we can't really control a lot of the threats and or the assets. The boss is going to bring a mission in, whether I like it or not, <laughs> and you know it's my job to help protect that. And so the big thing in the anti-terrorism world that we focus on are the vulnerabilities. Is is the mission vulnerable to this terrorist tactic, technique, or procedure? And if so, what proactive measures can I do to make sure that that person or entity uh, cannot accomplish their mission? So uh, we're going to anticipate, we're going to detect, we're going to deny, we're going to delay, we're going to deter them, we're going to deceive them, we're going to mitigate against all that, and ultimately we may have to respond uh, to a terrorist activity. And so you have to separate anti-terrorism from counter-terrorism. Anti-terrorism is the proactive stuff. Counter-terrorism is the reactive stuff. Counter-terrorism usually means you're bringing a gun to, 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 to the game. And so that's really the kind of the crux of a, the anti-terrorism world. Uh, in, in the National Guard, it's a commander's program. Commanders are responsible for their, their, their mission. So they're also responsible for the anti-terrorism program. There you go. Now, good sum on it. Now, getting down to kind of the the airman soldier level of anti-terrorism, um, we go through the briefing right. every year. But uh, I mean, obviously, it's a it's an all it's all year long thing. It, it boils down to each individual soldier and airman. What are some things or best practices, I guess, for 
for the soldier and airman dealing with anti-terrorism? Well, first of all, you don't want to know, you know, understand your your uh, your random anti-terrorism measures that are out there. The RAMS uh, program that we, we do, and the RAM program is it's probably the the most cost-effective uh, program we can do to to thwart a, a terrorist type threat. It's it's really so random. It's a random activity that you're going to do. Remember, I said you were going to anticipate, detect, deny, delay, deter. Well, the random anti the random anti-terrorism program does just that. It's a lot of events that we pull from higher FIPCONs, and those are force protection conditions, and we'll bring those into our day-to-day -day activity. And we're going to we're going to randomly implement one of these activities uh, at a facility and or a, a location to throw the bad guy off. Off, off course. Uh, so that's that, that's again the overall focus for at the at the at the soldier boots on the ground uh, mentality is understanding that we're doing things like that and they will be a part of that. Um, I mentioned the FIPCONs uh, at the at lower ranking level. You have to understand the FIPCONs. Uh, at one point we had normal. That's out the window. All right. Then we went to alpha. Well, that's kind of out the window now. So Bravo Alpha has become the new normal. So at that soldier airman level, they need to understand what those fit cons are and what does that mean. So all of a sudden I say, hey, we're going to go to Charlie. You know that that's, that's a bad day. And if we're going to go to Delta, it's already a bad day. <laughs> yeah. So being able to understand those levels is extremely important at that, that worker B level. Um, now, social media and stuff and cell phones and all that's the norm. I mean, we all walk around with them in our pockets. Um, what kind of, I guess you've been involved in this stuff for a fairly long time, so you've kind of seen things progress over the years. How has social media and, 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 and mobile phone, cell phones and stuff kind of changed the game a little bit, I guess, for anti-terrorism, or has it had an effect at all? you got to remember it. You, you have to think about terrorism like a virus, okay? A virus or a bacteria will mutate based on the host. And so if the host gets stronger, that virus or bacteria has to get stronger in order to in, infect the host. Terrorists are just like that. So as we build, develop and build stronger hosts, so to speak, the terrorist is going to do the same thing. Social media has opened up another entire avenue for this terrorists to exploit. Remember, we talked about our reputation. They can exploit our reputation through social media very quickly and do so. Again, terrorists are, it's really kind of hard to define what a terrorist, it's easy to define what a terrorist is, but the, the individual that's out there, today, one person can affect a great deal, and they can do so with a couple keystrokes. In the past, it would have been much harder to get to a, a target. You know, to use a kinetic energy. You know, I was the uh, civil support team commander uh, about 12 years ago, and there were WMDs around every corner. You couldn't open the door without tripping over one. Right. Well, that's not so much the case anymore. They're still there, but it's not the tactic, technique, or procedure that, that terrorists use. That evolved into uh, something more simple: going and getting a rider truck or whatever, and running people over. Right. It's much easier than getting a WMD, right. and it's just as effective. Uh, then it evolved to picking up a weapon and going into a mass of people and shooting them. All right. So now today the social media is another avenue that these uh, uh, activists can't exploit. Uh, it, 
gets into a philosophical idea on, on the evolution of this particular uh, technology. 2008, there was only one iPhone. Steve Jobs had it. Okay. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. He introduced it in 2008. Well, 11 years later, I have two. <laughs> right. Okay. In just a short amount of time, this technology is completely uh, tidal waved over the culture. So we really can't predict what the, uh, the effect this will be on us tomorrow. Oh. We're still in, in, in my world, the anti-terrorism world, still studying the effect of all this. How, how can it affect our reputation? Can it be uh, exploited some way, shape, or form? All this mega data that lives out there in the cloud, can it be, can it be used against me? You know, something I surf on today, can that be used against me tomorrow? Uh, who knows? So those threats, again, threats constantly evolve based on the host's ability to get stronger. Now, along with, you know, anti-terrorism and kind of back to the individual soldier airman part of this is when you start talking about terrorism, it's not just something that affects people in uniform. Okay. Absolutely. You know, a large part of our job when we think about it, you know, it's just the uniform people that you're talking about. When you're talking about terrorism, it's very real that your family could be the target, not you. Um, so practicing this... So this is something we need to practice, not just for ourselves, but for, you know, our families and the civilians community that we're in. You know, what type of impact then does that have when you start, when you take it outside of just the military, now you're talking about the community, how that kind of changes the facets of this? When we conduct our risk assessments, uh, we certainly look at the family and soft targets. Again, remember, terrorism is like a virus. It's going to attack the weakest point. And so some of the weaker points are probably right there at home. And if I can exploit the family and get my political message out, I win. And so absolutely, it's, it's things you do at home, uh, things that you would want to talk to your family about. Uh, everyone is a censor when it comes down to it. If it looks funny, it might be funny. If it looks bad, it might be bad. What do they say? If it looks like a duck, well, it looks like a duck. It's a duck. It's like a duck. Yeah. So having your family understand what the threats are that are out there, and are you vulnerable to those threats, it's huge. And so when the airmen, soldiers go home at night, they do need to communicate that that, that threat does exist uh, within our, our military community. Um, I don't want to get into the classified side of some of the things we do, because once we do start to put plans together, they become classified. But some of my bigger concerns are uh, off, off base. Uh, when you gather large groups of folks in uniform in one spot at a restaurant, at a hotel, you become a very soft target because you're outside of my fence now. Uh, mm -hmm. my, my MPs and my defenders aren't there to protect you. I rely on local law enforcement to be able to help that out. And so it's also a relationship that we and the Guard develop with our local law enforcement agencies to ensure that, hey, guess what, we're having drill this weekend, and the La Quinta Inn is going to be overflowing with soldiers and airmen. Could you give us a drive-by at about 11 o'clock and at about 3 o'clock in the morning just to see if anything is suspicious? So, yeah. off-base is my bigger concern. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot harder to control stuff out I, there. Yeah, I, I was sharing with you earlier, you know, the, the wing commander can drag whatever he wants through the gate. Mm -hmm. I'm going to protect it. Um, but when it's outside of the gate, I lose control to it. And so we do have programs called uh, Eagle Eye, 
Eagle Eye is a program that we, we use in the air side. And that, what that is, is I will go around to the hotels, I'll go around to the, uh, the, the restaurants, to the owners. You guys didn't know that, but I'll talk to them <laughs> about just these kinds of things. If, if you see something, say something. Mm-hmm. If you hear something, tell me. Um, places like Bunkies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Um, not yeah. to name drop, but yeah, yeah. You know, no, they, no. they become a part of all of this. Mm-hmm. And they, they become kind of my censored outside of the base to share, hey, we think we heard something somewhere along the way. Retirees, uh, making sure that our retiree population understands that, hey, you know, I was at some restaurant or whatever, I overheard somebody saying something. The retiree population can push that back to me. So eagle eyes are, are a great thing to have out there in the community. Definitely, for sure. Um, now, we, we mentioned the annual briefing, and, you know, I mean, there's good information in the annual briefing, but it's, it's relatively limited. What other assets, I guess, can airmen and soldiers get a hold of if they want to know more and they want to learn more? Is it y'all have pamphlets in your offices or websites available? Is it a phone call to you? What? How... how how do we gather more information? I had a pamphlet. I have a pamphlet that I use for my contractors that come on base. Uh, it certainly would be good information for somebody if they wanted to have that. It's a trifold, and it just basically explains the, the FIPCONs, the threat working groups, and all that fun stuff. If you're going to be on my base, these are the things that you might expect. Uh, and so that's one of the things that we, we look at. Um, websites, there, there are uh, guard assets that are out there. Um, I know for a fact next month is going to be the uh, awareness month for the Army. And I know Mr. Fowler has access to a great deal of, of handouts, posters. It was really kind of easy before because they would send him a big package. Now he's got to go online and print it himself. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, absolutely, Mr. Fowler would certainly be a, a point of contact to get any of that information uh, should they want more information on, on what, is, what is all this stuff about. Gotcha. Now you mentioned uh, Mr. Fowler, and he 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 works with you also, correct? Yes, absolutely. Y'all are y'all are a team on that, and y'all cover um, jointly yes. back and forth and help out and stuff like that. Um, what does it? What, I guess how is important is it to have more than one person on this? Because a, a lot of times, you know, especially in the guard, we have kind of the one person does it all type things. But anti-terrorism is. It's fairly broad and a big deal, you know, having having two people on it and a, a team at it, basically, how does that make a difference for it? Well, I'll use the, um, the Defense Force Commander at McIntyre as well, um, the Security Force Commander. And so I only have so many cops, and I can't be everywhere at once. And so I rely on owner-user to take care of themselves until I can get there. So what I mean when we look at the anti-terrorism world, everyone is a censor. Every last person that's out there is a part of our team. And it's not one person. Every person is involved in the anti-terrorism world. And they need to know that so that if something, again, looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, give me a call. I'll let you know if it's a duck. (laughs) Now, is there there like a 1-800 number or contact number for... For that type of stuff, is there a hotline set up, or is it better just to call, you know, the base directory? What would be the best way? I don't have a 1-800 number for that that I know of. Okay. I don't know if Mr. Fowler has a 1-800 number for it. I know I have a a number out at McIntyre with my Base Defense Operations Center, uh, and I'm sure, well, at EMD, there's a warning point 
okay. that you could contact. Now that I go through my <laughs> my, my little Rolodex. Here. There you go. Um, <clears throat> the warning point out at EMD wouldn't be another place to contact, or the jock would be a good place to contact. Um, those would be the, the numbers I would probably put on a, on a on a short list. If you do see something, warning point at EMD, the jock's number, my BDOC's number, I would want to I would want to guess uh, McCready probably has a, a similar number. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, there's not one single number. There would mm-hmm. probably be a couple different numbers that we could we could make and during next month during the awareness month. We'll see if we can't get that that public. Yeah, well, that's good. That's um, I mean, that's good to know. That there's you know places to reach out to during those times and, and and people to get in contact with, and it might be something good for soldiers and airmen if they don't have those numbers to go find them, keep maybe in your wallet or something like that because mm-hmm. you don't want to be looking for that type of stuff. No. In the heat of the moment type thing. Um, now, this is obviously this is a program like we said it kind of spans the the whole gamut of things. I mean this. This comes from the highest levels up to the lowest levels down. Um, and this is something we've been working on, obviously, for years. Anti-terrorism is not super new in the military. But what types of, I guess, progression have you seen out of the anti-terrorism program over the years that's been improved? It, it, it's all based on threat. After 9-11 occurred, our, our, our sensitivity was heightened exponentially. And so when there's lulls in, in, in threat, the, the program sort of falls off, off, off the path. Until something occurs, then it gets heightened again. So it, it kind of waxes and wanes. I've seen a great deal of improvement with the technology side of it, getting information out, the iPhone, uh, social media, as as it can be, as it can be a problem, it can also be a big plus for us to get instant information out to people. Uh, it's real easy today to use some of the applications that are out there. GroupMe, WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Um, probably not not a lot of them are classified and secure, but today I can get information out to most everybody almost instantly. Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes online with our, our internal computer systems. Uh, the messaging system right there on your computer when something goes wrong or, or goes bad. Uh, so those are big pluses for us is, is that technology has improved. Um, but again, as we mentioned, terrorism is like a virus. It just gets better as we get better. So I do see an escalation on both sides over my almost 12 years doing this. I've, I've watched it do just that as, as one system improves, the other system improves. So it really comes down to ask yourself, what's less expensive, to attack something or to defend something? I don't know. Which one is it? <laughs> it's, 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 when you think about it, historically, you know, when you use kinetic energy to attack something, it was pretty equal. But today, one person with a keystroke can attack an entire system and cost millions and millions of dollars of damage. Right. Well, to try to protect against that one keystroke would cost billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So today we're in a world where it's it's less expensive to attack something than it is to protect it. I put millions of dollars in protection out at, out at McIntyre, and it just takes one person a couple keystrokes, and they can take down the cyber net and shut down the Internet out there, and we're done. 
So that's the problem. That's a problem we deal with today is how much am I going to spend on a very, very simple attack? Uh, somebody can get onto the base with a weapon or, or in, into, the, in, into a complex somewhere. A couple dollars for a handgun and a handful of ammo, and you've just awarded millions of dollars worth of, of protection. So that's what I've noticed uh, over the years is that it's become way less expensive to attack than it is to protect. Okay, so where do we go from there? All right, uh, where do we fix this? We start to look at deep security when it comes down to it. Uh, and what I mean by that is creating a resilient population. Being able to, you can't predict everything that's going to happen. There's no way. It's impossible. Because again, terrorists are smart. They're going to constantly evolve. So you look at how can we become a more resilient population to a potential attack. Your fire departments, your emergency management programs, uh, consequence management programs have to be extremely well-versed in how to respond to a terrorist activity. Because you're not going to stop them all. You have to become resilient to it. And and you can't throw billions and billions of dollars at a at a couple dollars worth of an attack. It just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So tomorrow's anti-terrorism world will be more focused on deep security uh, at that individual level, making sure the individual is prepared for when and if an attack occurs. How do you stop it? How do you thwart it? Um, active shooter, run, hide, fight you know, scenario. Um, in, in, in the MP and in, in the security force world, is fight, fight, fight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 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 no run, hiding. Yeah, <laughs> right. So it's that mentality that you have to get across to the, everybody is fight, fight, fight. Mm -hmm. All right? That run, hide stuff is going to have to go out the window at some point in time in the future. Everybody's got to fight. Well, you know about that because you yeah, were an MP. A little bit, yeah. It, and it's changed because before it was always uh, hide. It was different. Like you didn't run hide. What is it? Run. I don't know. It's, it's changed so much. Yeah, exactly. So like whenever if if you're uh, in a building and you're not in a security force or MP role, you would they would tell you always to hide. But now it's if you can get out, get out. But I mean. For us, if you're going into there to the situation, you're gonna do everything you can to take out the enemy. Yeah. So it's definitely evolved. Just like every time we talk about stuff on the podcast, it's it's something evolving. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I, uh, I think that's a big thing with the military, just in general, because part of it's because of the technology. Like you mm -hmm. mentioned, the phones. 2008, there was one, like you said. And so, you know, th this type of stuff has caused the military in all all areas to have to just take leaps and bounds mm -hmm. ahead of where where we were. Uh, I mean, you're talking a decade worth of change where if you look at a period, say, from you know World War II up to kind of the modern age of the military, there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, huge changes. I mean, there was stuff, technology was there, but we've had to just run at stuff the last few years. Mm -hmm. um, now, at the unit level, uh, as far as anti-terrorism and stuff goes, are there, do we have people in place that say unit levels or a battalion wing or, uh, dang it, not wing, Wait, wing, squadron. What, squadron. There you go. That was the word <laughs> I was looking for. Um, are, there, are there people in place? So I'm on drill weekend and, you know, obviously you're busy and stuff. Is, is Are there people in place that we can reach out to on Drill Weekend outside of y'all's office or not? Well, 
at the, you know, speaking for the Army now, um, you guys have the SADOP program. And don't want to get into the classified side of all that, but, you know, there are folks that are very versed in, in how to respond and or uh, not to respond. So identifying those at the unit level, the, the platoon, <laughs> battalion, uh, who your SADOP folks are. Uh, I would certainly want to do that if I was a, a member, find out where that person is. And maybe if I, if I had a question, I would talk to them. Very well, very well trained, very highly capable, uh, very, very positive program in my opinion. And we need to continue on with that. Remember what I said, everybody's a sensor. So now we have folks that are out there that are, are assisting with all of this. So um, I would say on drill weekend, I would start with the commander and or first sergeant. I, I would want to, if I had a question, if I was a soldier or airman, you just don't walk, walk into the commander's office and say, hey, boss, I got a question. Uh, <laughs> right. I, I, don't, I don't have an open door policy. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not, it just doesn't work that way. Did you go to your supervisor first? Right, right. <laughs> Did you talk to the first sergeant first? So I'm, I'm going to suggest on a drill weekend, somebody shows up on drill weekend and they saw something over the month uh, at home, um, talk, you know, talk to your first line, your, your front line supervisor right away. And, and that, that would be where I'd start. Uh, talk to the first sergeant. I'm, I'm a big advocate of the first sergeant position. You know, I'm, I'm in the Air Force and I call him top. Right. You, you know, so yeah. mm -hmm. put it that way. Uh, so talk to the first sergeant and get that uh, get that off your chest. And from there, they can channel it up to, to me where I can, as a commander, I'll, I'll respond to it accordingly. So. Well, this has been uh, a lot of information. Yeah. Uh, a lot of good information. Um, I think maybe in the future we'd definitely like to have you back for some more stuff. Because sure. there's a lot of, I mean, you mentioned the, the whole active shooter thing. and there, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we could. We could run down a lot of rabbit holes. We could run down a lot <laughs> of rabbit holes. And, and I think those are good rabbit holes to run down. I think there's some good education in there. Because, I, I mean, I, I'll tell you right now, you know, I've. I'm not overly familiar with our active shooter policy. I, you know, I have the general gist of it. Is it hard grained into my head? No, but this is stuff, and especially with constant new soldiers and new airmen coming in, this is something that needs to be repeated. This is, like you said, it needs to become a lifestyle, basically. Um, deep security. Deep security. That's the term we're, we learned today is deep security. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, it's it's good. I, I hope you'll come back at some point. I will. And I'd like to conclude by, you know, there's a good book out there by Thomas Freeman. And uh, he talks about thank you for being late. And re really focuses on is the age we live in right now. He calls it the age of acceleration, where everything is going so fast mm -hmm. that we can't focus on one thing at a time. So you have to focus on what's in front of you at the moment. You know, again, the, the, the technology, the social media, the, the rapid moving uh, of, the, of the cloud mentality. Uh, the, the, when I grew up, the news came on at 6 o'clock. It was uh, David Brinkley and Chet. Chet, Chet, Chet can't his last name. But it came on for, for 30 minutes. That was it. Oh. And then fun TV came on after that. But today we live in a world where it's 24 hours a day news. And so it's just too much for an individual to digest it all. So to, to talk about anti-terrorism in the world we live in today, it's, we're in an age of acceleration where it's not possible to keep up with all of it. So that's where we talk about deep security, and we talk about being resilient to this crazy world we live in today. 
Right. Deep security. Remember yeah, that. Deep security. Like we'll have a lesson on it later. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll definitely <laughs> will. So, well, once again, we appreciate you stopping by, and hope to see see you in the future. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank yes, you. Sir. That was a lot of information about anti-terrorism. That was a lot. Very important information, though. Mm-hmm. Very important. You're talking um, life-saving type information. Mm-hmm. Yours, your families, people around you. Um, you know, it mentioned this. The, you know, the SADOP program and stuff like that. And it's outstanding that we have those. You know, those people trained and available um, in case something ever does happen. Um, you know, obviously the the best kind of anti-terrorism is you know the um proactive to prevent Mm -hmm. events from happening and being aware of stuff um but it is good to know that if something did happen uh we do have you know people train um love the fact that and i think it is important the fact that that program is is uh joint or purple as we say you know uh air guard and army Mm -hmm. representation on both sides of that program um so i mean it's information you need to take to heart you need to try to you know hold it hold in there remember it you know don't get complacent right that's i think that's the biggest issue is people get so complacent and they have their routine and they do things this way and in reality if someone's watching you they're gonna figure out your patterns and so it's not just something for being in the military it's anybody needs to yeah they need to be aware of it that was the word you were looking for (laughs) she was looking for the word aware um the frustration is obviously still set in (laughs) but um yeah you need to be aware and you hence the awareness part of it Mm -hmm. um and and put it into practice make sure you you know you're doing the right things and uh, you know it's our job it's our job and like i said it helps everybody and it's worth doing i'm specialist chelsea baker and i'm specialist david erskine and we'll catch you in the next episode